Trainingport.net presents Business Aviation Training Report. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Training Report, a monthly look at events in the business aviation world. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. This podcast is produced by the leader in online training for business aviation, trainingport.net. We link the aviation news of the day with the training needs of business aviation operators, management, their support staff, maintainers, and pilots. We want to discuss topics that are important to business aviation professionals. So please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Hello, podcast listeners, and thanks for joining me. I will be talking about communicable diseases and some ATC0 procedures that have come out recently. There seems to be an endless amount of information from regulators and associations regarding disease management and best practices. I'll try to hit some of the highlights today with regards to infections that happen on the ground with ATC and in flight in your cabin. Recently, a Qatari airliner landed in Athens with 12 COVID cases on board. There were 91 total passengers aboard. The airline said they had screened everyone at the departure airport in Doha. There are many unknowns out there as the protocols are put in place and the virus mutates, so one protocol used today may have to be modified the next time you fly. Keep educating yourself, not just for your job, but for your family. Pilots and cabin crew members are exempt from quarantine rules, so this poses an extra risk to our families and friends. A medical source I speak to occasionally believes that COVID-19 is airborne, which supports much new research, although the WHO has not gone ahead and said this formally yet. I'm going to start with ATC0 in oceanic airspace, and this will serve as our in-the-news segment for the podcast. I'll change gears right away and say that the FAA released SAFO 20011 on July 1st. There will be a link in the podcast notes. ATC0 is a new term to some, so I will say that it is an FAA term that occurs when the FAA is unable to safely provide the published ATC services within the airspace managed by a specific facility. The term is defined in FAA Order JO 1900.47 Air Traffic Control Operational Contingency Plans. It is one of three designations used by the FAA, ATC Alert, ATC Limited, and ATC0 to describe degraded operations and invoke operational contingency plans. Cases of COVID-19 among ATC facility staff and technicians have led to and will likely continue to lead to intermittent total or partial closures of ATC facilities. This could occur with little or no warning. So what do you do if ATC goes off the air in oceanic airspace? The FAA recommends you review guidance material, such as the Aeronautical Information Publications, or AIP, for the countries where you operate, regional operational air traffic management contingency plans, such as the Air Traffic Management Operational Contingency Plan for the North Atlantic Region, DOC 006, or NAT DOC 006, and Regional Supplements DOC 7030. Here are the procedures as specified in the SAFO for aircraft in or planning to operate within oceanic airspace. Continue as cleared and contact the next ATC unit as soon as possible with a position report. 
Flights operating with an oceanic clearance are expected to continue in accordance with the last clearance issued. Flight crews should use extreme caution and use all available means to detect any conflicting traffic. What if you don't have an oceanic clearance and you are approaching oceanic airspace where the contingency is activated? Flights not in receipt of an oceanic clearance should land at an appropriate aerodrome or, if possible, request clearance to avoid the affected oceanic control area or OCA. If you have an oceanic clearance, aircraft operating with or received an acknowledged oceanic clearance can, at the flight crew's discretion, continue, but should expect limited ATC service within the affected OCA. Due to the uncertainty surrounding the contingency situation, flight crews should, if possible, consider seeking a clearance to reroute. Flight crews are requested to broadcast traffic information in the blind to other flights or stations on 121.5, or 126.9 MHz as appropriate in designated IATA broadcast areas. In order to exchange position information, a continuous listening watch and regular broadcasts must be maintained. ATC may invoke the ICAO Traffic Information Broadcast by Aircraft, or TIBA, procedure. TIBA is where flight crews broadcast in the following form. All stations, your call sign, flight level, climbing or descending to flight level, the number, the direction, the ATS route or direct from a position or to position, at an estimating time of the next reporting point or point of crossing or joining a designated ATS route at a certain time and the flight level. Basically, it's a normal radio call of who you are, where you are, and where you want to go. TIBA calls should be provided at the following times. 10 minutes before entering a designated airspace or for flight crew members taking off from an aerodrome located within the natural limits of the designated airspace as soon as appropriate after takeoff. 10 minutes prior to crossing a reporting point. 10 minutes prior to crossing or joining an ATS route. At 20 minute intervals between distant reporting points. 2 to 5 minutes where possible before a change in flight level, at the time of a change in flight level, and at any other time considered necessary by the flight crew. The FAA adds the following comments. You should complete a flight level change as soon as possible in accordance with the clearance. Mandatory position reports should be accomplished via HF or SAT until directed by ATC. Flights equipped with fans 1A or equivalent should communicate using HF or SAT while attempting to re-establish CPDLC. If you can communicate with your operations flight dispatch, then they can forward position reports to the relevant OCA. As always, following your oceanic SOPs is paramount. You should plan to experience a loss of ATC services at any point in the flight. A heightened sense of awareness is required for all procedures, including plotting, adherence to the current clearance, Mach number, or airspeed, which may need to be adjusted based on proximate traffic, conducting navigation accuracy checks, conducting waypoint and 10-minute post position checks, and using slop. Here are some additional considerations. Consistent with AIP recommendations, should flight crews encounter situations that are not covered by regulation, they are expected to exercise good judgment in whatever action they elect to take. Additionally, flight crews should take the following actions. Monitor for traffic visually and by TCAS or ADSB in. Ensure all appropriate exterior lights are turned on. 
monitor and use relevant communication channels such as 12115, 123.45, or 126.9, HF, SAT voice, and data link. Refer to the SAFO itself for more details. Okay, let's talk about communicable diseases and some procedures from your perspective. There have been a number of pandemics since the beginning of the 20th century. The H1N1 pandemic of 2009, the Spanish flu of 1918, as well as flu pandemics in 1957 and 1968, and now COVID-19 in 2019-2020. Among the best-known pandemics is the Black Death, a plague which spread across Asia and Europe in the middle of the 14th century. COVID-19 is caused by coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2, older adults and people who have severe underlying medical conditions like heart or lung disease or diabetes seem to be at a higher risk. It is thought to spread mainly from person to person, mainly through respiratory droplets produced when an infected person coughs or sneezes. These droplets can land in the mouths or noses of people who are nearby or possibly be inhaled into the lungs. Spread is more likely when people are within six feet of each other. It may be possible that a person can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has the virus on it and then touching their own mouth, nose, or possibly their eyes. This is not thought to be the main way the virus spreads, but research continues. Everything must be clean. This is paramount. The airplanes I fly have never been cleaner, but all it takes is one infected passenger to get on board. So what do we mean by clean? Clean aircraft, clean crew, clean airport facilities, transporting clean passengers, clean hotels, rental cars, and Ubers. So what are some thoughts on how to defend yourself and your passengers from disease? Pre-flight planning. Is the destination safe? Have there been reported exposures at the airport? Is the destination itself a hotspot, experiencing large numbers of COVID-19 infections? Does this trip need to be overnight, meaning additional opportunities for exposure at lodging? Do we have a plan in place if passengers or crew members show signs of exposure during the trip? Does your operation use a FRAT or flight risk assessment tool? A FRAT could bring your attention to a health situation at location, number of passengers and physical distancing on the aircraft, length of mission, crew and passenger interactions with other people, need for ground transportation and overnight lodging, if abroad, access to consular officials. Personal protective equipment has never been more talked about. What is contained in your PPE kit? How much is in your PPE kit? Can you supply a few passengers with PPE if another passenger develops symptoms in flight? Business jet cabins can be small, especially when you are trying to stay six feet apart from others on board. Some contents could include hand sanitizer and 95 masks, a thermometer device, gloves, face shield, medical gowns, and IATA has listed a universal precaution kit or UPK online. I'll include a link in the notes. Contents of a UPK can include dry powder that can convert small amounts of liquid into granular gel for pickup, termicidal disinfectant for surface cleaning, skin wipes, face or eye shield, separate or combined, disposable gloves, impermeable full-strength sleeved gown that fastens in the back, large absorbent towels, a pickup scoop with scraper, biohazard disposable waste bags, instructions. There is a generic set of instructions for a UPK, but they are usually specific to each kit. And cleaning and disinfecting guidance from manufacturers of the UPK contents. 
A communicable disease is suspected when a person has a fever of 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius or greater and associated with one or more of the following signs or symptoms. A cough, shortness of breath, fever, chills, repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, a new loss of taste or smell, or diarrhea. Keep in mind that symptoms have changed since the beginning of the outbreak and may change again. A difficult situation can occur when somebody develops symptoms in flight. Infections are much more easily dealt with on the ground, but in flight has its complications. The crew must contact ATC immediately. ATC will notify the FAA's Domestic Events Network, or DEN, if you're flying in the U.S., of the report using the code REQUESTCDCCONSULT. The DEN will in turn notify the CDC for quarantine station with justification for the arrival airport. The PIC must report to the flight department immediately. You could consider a diversion. Is your destination equipped to handle this level of disease complexity? Okay, so you have an infected person with some symptoms I referred to earlier. What are some procedures to follow in the air? Place 95 masks on the individual and maybe on those surrounding the sick person. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds after tending to the individual. Equip any crew member, if not already wearing a mask, in close proximity to the individual with an N95 mask. Have all individuals on the flight fill out a public health passenger locator form. This is a WHO form. This is to ensure that contact tracing is performed if it is confirmed that the individual has COVID-19. Ask the ill traveler when he or she has traveled in the last 21 days and if he or she has lived in the same household or has contact with a person who is sick with a communicable exposure. If medical support from the ground via sat phone is available, such as a medical service, contact them immediately or ask for medical assistance from any qualified individuals on board. Your company policy should be followed at all times. Try to relocate the adjacent passengers, leaving a space of 2 meters or 6 feet between the ill passenger and the other passengers. If no seats are available, consider giving PPE to the adjacent passengers, such as a mask or face shield. Designate one cabin crew member to look after the ill traveler, preferably the crew member that has already been dealing with the traveler. If possible, designate a specific laboratory for the exclusive use of the ill traveler and use the appropriate signage on the door. Respiratory etiquette is required of the ill passenger. Provide tissues and the advice to use the tissues to cover the mouth and nose when speaking, sneezing, or coughing. Advise the ill traveler to practice proper hand hygiene. If the hands are visibly soiled, they must be washed with soap and water. Provide an air sickness bag to be used for the safe disposal of tissues or bags from the universal precaution kit. If a face mask is available and the traveler is coughing or sneezing, the ill traveler should be asked to wear it. As soon as it becomes damp or humid, it should be replaced with a new one. These masks should not be reused and must be disposed of safely in a biohazard bag after use. After touching the used masks for disposal, proper hand hygiene must be practiced immediately. If the ill traveler cannot tolerate a mask or refuses it, the designated cabin crew member or any person in close contact with the ill passenger should be wearing a mask. If touching the ill passenger is required, the designated cabin crew member should wear the personal protective equipment found in the UPK. UPKs are not intended to replace proper hand hygiene. The PPE in the UPK should be carefully removed as per training and discarded as per published procedures.
Again, hands should be washed with soap and water, or an alcohol-based hand rub can be used. Store the soiled items, i.e. like tissues, face masks, oxygen masks, tubing, linen, pillows, blankets, seat pocket items. Think about anything they could have touched in a biohazard bag if one is available. If not, place it in an intact plastic bag and seal it. Label it biohazard. Ask any accompanying travelers, spouse, children, friends, etc., if they have any similar symptoms. Like I said before, the captain is required by International Civil Aviation Organization or ICAO Annex 9, Chapter 8, Paragraph 8.15 and the WHO Article 28.4 to report the suspected cases to air traffic control. The captain must also advise the destination that specific cleaning and disinfection procedures may be required. Unless stated otherwise by ground medical support or public health officials, Ask all travelers to complete the passenger locator form, like I said, if available on the aircraft or at the arrival station. This form tracks the passenger's movement in previous days. Upon landing, coordinate transportation and medical care with local health officials. After the trip, operators must insist that both passengers and crew members report if they become ill within 14 days of the flight. It's a good idea to designate a human resources point of contact for reporting to ensure passenger and crew member confidentiality and that the appropriate parties are contacted. Alert individuals who shared a flight with that individual or interacted with them at the workplace. Follow CDC guidelines for contact tracing and I'll include a link in the notes. There's also a person under investigation form from the CDC. There's lots of information out there. Trainingport.net will have an online topic out soon. Have a plan before you fly. An effective infectious disease control plan could include any or all of the following. A pre-flight assessment, crew member assessment and monitoring, passenger screening procedures, baggage screening procedures, universal precautions kit or UPK, infectious disease precautions during flight, in-flight sick passenger or crew member procedures, post-flight disinfecting procedures, travel and housing procedures, notification procedures for sick crew members or travelers, and a care plan for housing and travel for sick crew members. Keep educating yourselves on communicable diseases. Thanks for listening and have a great day. That's our podcast for today. Podcast notes will be posted on our website at trainingport.net. Click on podcast. We aim to discuss topics that are relevant to business aviation professionals. And we would love to hear your suggestions for future podcasts. You can email us at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. This podcast is brought to you by trainingport.net, leader in online business aviation training. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. Have a great day. And thank you for listening to the Business Aviation Training Report. For more information on each episode, visit us at www.trainingport.net slash podcast. Trainingport.net, helping business aviation professionals excel.